And now, on with the show. Yeah, I think it's going to record from the very beginning this time. I don't think we're going to have anything choppy. Nice. I'm knocking on wood for that because yeah. now that I said that, it's going to record but like this, and then it'll jump like three minutes in. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope it cuts off like a bunch up from the front. Your right. And knocked off wood. You look like an asshole. You looked like you were like a Star Trek earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. All right. Uh, well, here we are, guys. Welcome, everyone, to Weekend Watch. Uh, this is the show where we tell you all the great stuff to check out this weekend on your favorite streaming services. Uh, we're here with uh, me, Spencer, your host. I'm also here with, with regulars Keith and David. What's going on, guys? Yo, what's up? Hi. And we've got a special guest this week. Jonathan is back. Jonathan, how are you this evening? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Welcome back, man. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me back. It's always a fun episode when Jonathan's here. It also always goes like way closer to an hour than yeah, any we just of our other shows. Talking a lot. Which I like. Like so sit back. We got a great theme week this week. Uh as promised, we're we're back onto our decades themes. Uh moving right along. We're into the nineteen seventies. So uh why don't we jump right in? We've got a, a lot of great a lot of great movies to check out. Uh, why don't we let Jonathan kick it off? Jonathan, what do you want to lead off 1970s Decades Week with? Okay, so my first recommendation, um, I'm going to order them in the order I think David will like them, from least to best. Let's see. I'm going to start with uh 1978 version of the John Cassavetes movie, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. So, if I can get there, the... Uh, synopsis of this movie is a proud strip club owner is forced to come to terms with himself as a man when his gambling addiction gets him in hot water with the mob who offer him only one. So did everybody, I, it sounded like everybody want, got a chance to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, I, I picked this for two reasons. One, it's shorter. So I figured David might actually commit to it. Um, I think it's like 20 minutes shorter than the, the theatrical version. It's like um, half an hour shorter. But it is also significantly more entertaining and much more coherent than the uh, theatrical version. So, what'd you guys, uh, what'd you guys think of this? Or had you seen it before? I had, I had seen it before. Uh, I watched it again because I do really enjoy this movie. Um, it, what really stood out to me this time because I hadn't seen it since film class in, in sophomore year of college. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, what really stood out to me this time was just how. And I guess it's really a Cassavetti's thing is how he's really not in a hurry to get where he's going with his movie. Um, no. And that's, that's why I, so I picked this for a couple of reasons. One of which is I think it's probably his most accessible film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he is, I am not a huge fan of a lot of his other films. Uh, I get why other people like them. They're just not for me. They're too, they're too talky and too uh, character focused for my tastes they, a little self-indulgent too there's just not much going on in a lot of the other ones no um at least not on the surface of the movie and so it's hard for me to to focus on them it's understandable um the first movie of his i got introduced to was a woman under the influence mm-hmm. uh which is quite a bit different like maybe not tone wise but i don't know 
they they all run they all seem to have a, a a similar thing running through them and and this applies to movies that he um wrote directed and some of the ones that he stars in where they're all very broken people yeah <laughs> might be the best way to put that like ben gazera's character is not a great guy he's not terrible he's just you know yeah a, he's a gambling strip club owner he's but, a prick yeah. He's an asshole. He, he's, he he's not like like a like a straight piece of shit. Like he, yeah. but he's not a great guy. No, he's insufferable. He's like, there's times where it's just like, God damn, like you're just yeah. you're just being a prick. And that's just yeah. kind of his personality. Uh, he's yeah, a prick. I agree. That, that's a, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a perfect word. Yeah, that's yeah. a perfect word to describe him. So, David Keith, what'd you guys think of it? Uh, this was my first time watching it. It was not my favorite. It was it 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 was one of the shorter ones, and it felt very long. Like I was I was kind of waiting for it to get to the point for a very long time. Not that I that was it's a, always a bad thing. I've picked certainly picked movies like that as well. Probably my least favorite part about it was how claustrophobic a lot of the shots felt to me. It felt like it was is a very interestingly shot film. I think um, a lot of. A lot of shaky, a lot of um, out of focus, kind of pushing past people uh, through. You could tell like tight hallways and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think yeah. that, that that's like it, it just it turned me personally off to it. I don't think it's like a, a terrible thing in in, in film. But um, yeah, I, this, I, this I one totally wasn't my favorite. That. Yeah, I couldn't I wouldn't be surprised. And I couldn't in the very little surface <laughs> research I did over on this, I couldn't find the budget but when i was watching this movie i was like i wouldn't be surprised if this was filmed for five hundred thousand dollars yeah um, I, yeah i agree yeah because it has it it really has a lot of um for being this is pretty deep into cassavetti's career um he he seems to hold on to that independent um feeling throughout most of his films yeah I felt it in the sound as well. I felt like mm-hmm. the sound was was very independent feeling, you know. But that was also very seventies. It's easy to write off for for yeah. us with our our Dolby Digitals to to be able to listen to that and be like, oh god, <laughs> like when they're talking into the microphone at the club and stuff. It's like, oh god, why are they just recording this amp of like of this guy talking in the microphone? But then again, it, that's what that's what they could do in that time. David, yeah. what did you think? Um, JP was saying that his other movies just kind of like not a lot's going on. Um, and I, that's kind of the sense that I got from this. It's like, yeah, the, the story's happening, but like we're just kind of following this guy around. Um, and then there is like the bit of action and then it ends. Yeah. And it's yeah. it, it felt a little anticlimactic. I mean, especially the the ending was so just sudden. I was like, "Oh shit, it's over." <laughs> um, so I, I, I will say, I will say this in in um, you know for both of you because this doesn't surprise me that it's not that it was probably the least enjoyable for for both you and Keith. I was uh, I was actually going to say this is the, I didn't hate this the most out of the picks. Oh, this week. all right. Well, that okay. All right, we'll get we'll get there. I guess <laughs> we'll get there, um, but. I also so there was a there there was a list of about 45 50 movies that I tried to find streaming prior to these um that it's shocking how many 70s movies are just not streaming 
I agree. Anywhere. I was having a tough time too. Like I had a big list of seventies movies and it was, it was whittled down very quickly. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, you know, my, I, I have a, a couple of, I, I'm a huge seventies. Like that's a good bulk of my, um, my collection. My preferences is seventies stuff. And, um, I wanted to try to mix it up a little bit and go with the things that I really enjoy about the seventies, like black exploitation films, that sort of thing. Be- almost none of them are streaming. The only one that I could find that is streaming, uh, was, uh, Foxy Brown, which is a fine movie, but not really like one of my favorite black exploitation films. So, right. um, so in all fairness, these recommendations, while I enjoy them, I understand why other people would not. So. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, this one is was kind of a personal thing. With the, I definitely just I I didn't enjoy the way it was shot, but really I could see why people enjoy this movie for sure. You know what this movie reminded me of? And and tell me tell me if you agree here, Jonathan. Oh man! If you had to get if you had to pick one director who was very clearly influenced by Cassavetti's style, who would you who would you say? Say a few years later. A few years later. Like not a modern day direct. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, modern, but has been around since since the eighties. Jarmouche. That was what I was going for. Okay. His, All right, I, I really picked up. You can really see in this movie, especially where it's clear that Jim Jarmouche uh, watched a lot of John Cassavetti's movies. Yeah, and this this I, the other reason I picked this out of because I had a couple final options and decided on this one was. Cassavetti's had a big influence on a lot of people, um, a lot of modern day directors. And so I, I, like I said, I find this to be his most accessible film. And if you don't like this, probably won't like most of his other films. So, because this is his most like action packed, you want to call it that. Um, and, and has a pretty clear plot line, even though it may take a while to get there. You know what it sort of felt like to me, um, both in pacing and kind of in the story was uncut gems. Like it, it, like I could see a pretty close parallel to how they felt. Um, if you're looking for like a modern comparison, I, I, I was thinking, uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely Adam Sandler is, is no Ben Gazzara because Ben Gazzara is a, a phenomenal actor. He did a great job in this and man, Seymour Castle is just the perfect sleaze ball for any situation. He really, he really has just like the sleaziest face, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. does. Like the voice, the face, he's just the perfect sleaze ball for everything. But you, you know, you're, it wouldn't surprise me if the Safdie brothers watched, watched this movie many times when they were, when they were making uncut gems. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, right on. Anything else we want to say about uh, about the killing of a Chinese bookie? Go watch only the director's cut. Don't watch the the the, the theatrical version. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, both both versions are currently streaming on HBO Max. Uh, I'll go next. Why not? I'll go next. Uh, my one pick this week for for decades week is the 1970 documentary uh, "Gimme Shelter." "Gimme Shelter" is a 1970s. British American documentary film directed by Albert and David Mazels, um, chronicling the final weeks of the Rolling Stones 1969 U S tour, which culminated in the disastrous Altamont free concert in San Francisco, right? Yeah. yeah. San Francisco. Um, I really liked, I picked this documentary because it's one of my favorites, especially from, from that era. Um, it, it's probably the best documentary that I could think of to sum up the 
kind of new direction in documentary filmmaking at the time, which basically revolved around the filmmakers acting in a more reactive capacity. Basically, they picked a subject, in this case, the Rolling Stones. They had this agreement, they followed them around, and they let the story develop itself. Um, you know, they weren't investigating something that happened, you know, in the past and making a documentary about it. They weren't forcing a narrative or anything like that. Uh, they recorded, I mean, thousands of hours of footage probably to put this together. Um, so it's a really interesting stylistic choice, uh, that, that, you know, this documentary kind of, kind of showcases of the era, definitely a counterculture reaction to the kind of, um, formulaic documentary filmmaking that came prior um aside from that it's just a really good a really good uh movie um you get a lot of really good concert footage uh start you know with uh, of the rolling stones of a bunch of other bands that were you know at various festivals and stuff with them at the time uh it culminates like i said in the ultimate free concert which was attempting to be the rolling stones like answer to um woodstock and wound up just being a shit show essentially um they didn't have enough security they didn't have enough um facilities for all these people who showed up they wound up hiring the hell's angels to do security uh it culminated in, in basically in in somebody at the concert uh getting stabbed to death by a hell's angel and after he tried to shoot one of them but uh yeah, it's just like a really interesting story overflowing they were overflowing yeah. onto the stage like the place was just jam-packed to the gills and there was nobody in control no uh even the band tried to take control several times like hey guys calm down. To calm down yeah and um yeah that it it got messy real quick and it was just like, uh yeah go ahead i feel like every time the situation gets to the band saying hey guys we need to calm down a little bit it's far beyond any sort of <laughs> control there's not a lot you can do at that point yeah, yeah it's it's already devolved um, and the last thing I was going to say about it is it's just a kind of a really good illustration of the downfall of the counterculture movement at the time. Uh, you know, you had Woodstock shortly before it wasn't that long. Woodstock was 68, right? No, it was summer 69, 69. Yeah. Summer 69. And Altamont was not very long after it, but you know, Woodstock's always remembered as, you know, the festival of peace and love and three days of, you know, hippie flowers and, and shit like that. Um, whereas Altamont quickly devolved into violence and chaos and just kind of led the way for, for the counterculture revolution to fall apart. Um, David, you didn't finish this one, did you? No. And like I was telling you, I really feel like that's mostly a symptom of, I am not a Rolling Stones fan. I, I don't hate them. Um, I will go so far as to say I dislike them and I your do. your pre recording tirade suggests otherwise, but <laughs> well, I was just gonna say I do hate Mick Jagger. I think he's a fucking dickhead. Um, but I I'm just I'm there's a couple Rolling Stone songs that that I like, but I it's not I I don't seek them out. It's not like I oh I hate the Rolling Stones music, um, but I don't like it. And I this was mostly a movie about the rolling stones it was a, it was a lot of rolling stones music over a lot of uh concert footage and uh not my thing. it's fair it's understandable keith what about you what'd you think i watched it i don't know if i was like fully getting it <laughs> uh if i 
I love documentaries and that's why I was like, I was, uh, I've just felt like it was moving so slowly. They were, they set it up and they were talking about all this stuff that had happened at the beginning. And then they go through the process of, of getting there. And by the time I get to the end, it it was just like, okay, just show me the fucking footage already. (laughs) Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad we got to that point. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't hate this movie. I actually, I, there was, I do like the Rolling Stones. So there were definitely points that I didn't know about. And I was, I was enjoying, I just, again, the, the pacing felt weird for me. Uh, maybe I was just off this week. I uh, like, usually no, you're not, you're not wrong. Uh, and I think it's a product of that reaction to, you know, the typical documentary format, you know, like I said, they, they filmed this without knowing where it was going. Yeah. You know, Fair they, enough. they yeah. put they put the story together afterwards once they had everything filmed um and i think it's definitely uh a little bit jarring it's different it's definitely different it but is, I, yeah. I think it's also just the time in general like all of these movies with the exception of the two comedies right are there two comedies on here are pretty slow um they may not be long but they're slow yeah so um i think that's just like maybe a holdover from the 40s and 50s when all movies were well over two hours right or 80 minutes my adhd requires a faster pace (laughs) (laughs) and yet somehow we all managed to sit through uh through singham with its two hours and 45 minutes of goddamn numbers. i'll fucking do it again that was fucking that was that was a roller coaster from beginning to end my adhd was engaged that's a fair point you you make yeah good good point (laughs) Right, right on. So check out Gimme Shelter. I believe it's also currently on HBO Max. JP, we're going to bounce back to you. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I'm trying to guess at which one David liked next least. Uh, so my next recommendation is going to be the 1971 uh, Hal Ashby film, Harold and Maude. Um, so Harold and Maude is the 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 description on imdb is just young rich and obsessed with death harold finds himself changed forever when he meets lively septuagenarian maud at a funeral um essentially harold is um obsessed with the idea of um death and he stages these elaborate suicide attempts and things like that for attention getting purposes uh and he's also a funeral cruiser while he's at one of these funerals he meets another funeral cruiser in her late 70s and uh they form a romantic bond um so i know Spencer, i know you've seen uh i'm assuming david and keith uh, keith you probably had seen this before yeah okay david okay yet so what'd you guys think I like this movie. My wife didn't like it. She wanted me to put a little disclaimer about the suicide. She is pretty suicide sensitive for uh, understandably, but uh, uh, I, I find the dark humor humorous where like, I can definitely see where from the very beginning, this would turn a lot of people off. Um, I find this, this young man very intriguing and I love the progression of the story. I love the message um all the way through you know the ending is probably one of my favorite endings in in film it's awesome i i I love this movie i um i didn't dislike it for sure i i 
I did find myself wandering a little bit. Like I, like the pacing's a little bit slower. Um, I found myself wondering at how he might set up a couple of these very elaborate. They weren't suicide attempts. They were show suicides. It was like he was it's trying like to fuck with everyone around. Um, I mean that that scene. I mean, look, like I'm gonna be uh, rather. He he fucking shoots himself in the head. How do you fake that? <laughs> he shoots. It, he's got like like the blood and everything. It wasn't like a shit ton of blood, but he definitely had. How how did he do this in front of his mother, who's just sitting there completely? detached and disinterested god get, her reactions are so fucking oh she's such <laughs> shit she's such shit i understand why he's doing all this i i definitely get the 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 desire to 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 fuck with people especially a mother like that i would definitely fuck with that woman but it, it like i said a couple of times it's just like how how did he do how did it how <laughs> um but yeah i it wasn't bad you know what was interesting to me is I didn't realize that, like you said, this movie was not well accepted at first. Or, or you know, um, it definitely gained a cult following far after its release, which I definitely get. I mean, do you kind of see this as a as a what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a, a precursor to the intense cynicism of the late seventies. I, I mean, I could definitely see that. I think that runs through. Um, I think it's a mix of this of cynicism and Hal Ashby's general kind of style. Yeah. Um, because his other movies, I mean, right before this, he did the landlord, mm-hmm. um, which was, which is also a fairly kind of darkish um, comedy. Um, right after this, he does the last detail with Jack Nicholson, which has a lot of kind of black humor uh and cynical elements and i and with each one he kind of focuses on a different um societal issue you know racism yeah. with the landlord um military with the with the last detail so um i think it, yeah i think it's a, i think it's his own cynicism and a reflection of kind of what's going on with just the late 60s in general right like uh, look kind of like give me shelter honestly where it's you you can kind of see the writing on the wall as early as you know, what 1971 when this came out, um, uh, you know, the kind of the mood is shifting. You know, the Vietnam War is dragging on and on. The you know, the the cultural revolutions of the of the counterculture era have failed, and it you know, like I said, by the time you get to the late 70s, and I think one of our picks coming up kind of reflects that even more. Um, this kind of seems like a precursor to that, especially in in art. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it definitely feels very. Um, very countercultury, and I think that's probably why. I, I think that's probably why it didn't get well received. It's like um, because the the people that were going to see it weren't really those writing the reviews. Uh, right, the, or the prevailing were, mood wasn't there yet, right? Um, the majority of people at the time, you know, the, the counterculture was just like now it's going to be youth primarily, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's one of those things where that's the that's what they grew up with. And then you kind of go back and reevaluate it. Um, and even even reading some of the reviews, a lot of the critical reviews went back years later, reevaluated it, and had a different take on it. So, um, I th- yeah, I think it was just too too uh, too much of that counterculture element uh, at the time, for sure. Uh, yeah, right I on. can definitely see why people would be off put by this, especially in that time. The the kid's a creepy kid. Like it's it, I don't know. It it would definitely take. 
a different type of person in the 70s to really latch on to this movie. Um, I do have to mention that him turning his Jaguar E-type into a mm-hmm. hearse was... <laughs> I'm reasonably sure this is the movie that made me want a hearse as a daily driver. Right. <laughs> um, but Bud, Bud Court also suffers from the 13 or 30 syndrome because there are times in yeah. this movie where he looks like he's 13 years old and other times where he looks like he's like 45. <laughs> yeah, my wife was like, how old is this kid? Because thinking he's like 14. It's like, no, our early 20s. He, he looks young as hell. Yeah. Uh, right on. So check out Harold and Maude currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, who's next? Keith, why don't you go? Keith's next. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say I have another basic bitch pick because this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Maybe one of the the movies I've watched more than any movie I've ever watched in my life. I used to put this movie on repeat. It is fucking hilarious. One of the most funny movies I can think of. It is, of course, Mel Brooks. Again, we said we would bring him back for the 70s. We did. And this movie is called Young Frankenstein. Probably my favorite out of his collection. It's hard to pick, but I got to say, this is this one just stands out for me. I love Young Frankenstein. Gene Wilder um, working with... Leachman. <laughs> yeah. With Gene Wilder working with Mel Brooks is, is a win every time. He got to do this movie because he did Blazing Saddles. Uh, you know, uh, Mel Brooks asked him to do Blazing Saddles. He said, I'll do Blazing Saddles with you if you do my film. Um, with me afterwards. So they made Blazing Saddles and then they went ahead and they made uh, Young Frankenstein like right after that. And they just were hit after hit. You know, um, Marty Feldman, Cloris Leachman, Peter Boyle, Madeline Kahn, everybody in this movie is fucking fantastic. The the setting, the the music, the jokes, good Lord, like how do you get any better than this comedy like this is this is perfect to me everybody's seen this movie in this room right you you guys definitely have watched this movie probably many many times well uh, what do you got to say about young frankenstein i think it's a great movie um it, like you said it's it's star-studded um you mentioned bringing mel brooks back for the 70s i feel like we could kind of reliably do mel brooks through the 2000s <laughs> like every every time that we have this theme week but i mean I, i'm gonna strongly disagree with that statement but uh we'll see that, that's okay we will see anyway this this is a fantastic comedy it's it is absolutely putting on that putting on the ritz whole bit is god it's so good it's so fucking good it, putting on the ritz it will forever be associated with this movie that bit forever that's just what it always is going to be yeah i too love this movie um it's not my favorite of his though no it's not it's not mine either no uh it's it's a phenomenal movie mel brooks is easily one of my favorite directors i've seen all of his movies except except life stinks because it's trash um (laughs) at least a dozen times um and they they never get old. They, yeah, they, they really don't. I agree. And like I said, it's hard to pick. I've seen them all so many times, and I love each and every one of his films. And this one just it it has that special little star next to it for me, for sure. Um, right on. Anything else we want to say about Young Frankenstein? I'm gonna steal 
David's thing and just say watch it because goddamn, good call. A, this is a good movie. It's currently uh, streaming I, on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, well then, Jonathan, what's your third pick, bud? What do you All got right. for us? So for my third pick, I'm gonna dive into what is probably my favorite genre, um, just gangster picks, uh, whether it's mob. British gangsters, whatever. I love them all. I don't care. Russian gangsters, throw it all at me. Um, and so I, for my third one, I went with the 1971 um, British gangster film, Get Carter. Um, Get Carter, the synopsis is when his brother dies under mysterious circumstances in a car accident, London gangster Jack Carter travels to Newcastle to invest. Um, and so essentially... Uh, Michael Caine, who I always love a villain as Michael Caine. He's just such a great uh, villain for all of the all of those out there who associate him with uh, Alfred and Austin Powers' father. Um, it, it, it's it's just Faja. great seeing him. Sorry, yes, Faja. Um, I mean, you see a lot of that Faja in this film. Oh, I, absolutely. I like, this, it is absolutely. like 100% that was him. Like that, That's what his character was modeled after. Yes. Um, <laughs> And and he's just you know he's he's just a kind of low level ish gangster from London who goes ho- back to his hometown where his brother was also um, mobbed up in some way it seems and uh, involved in a car accident that he doesn't think was an accident and uh, and then he decides to take revenge on those people that he uh, believes or knows are responsible so. Uh, was this your least favorite, David? You're muted, bud. Gimme Shelter was my least favorite. Oh, I meant okay. I just meant of oh my of picks. your of your picks. Um, then then yeah, uh, Chinese. I tried to make sure. See, I, I tried to make sure that at least two of my three had boobs in them for you. <laughs> there were there were there was a lot of them in this. Yeah. Um, um, this was my favorite of your picks. I really I enjoy okay. Michael Caine. Um, I don't know what's wrong with Google, but it's telling me Sylvester Stallone was also in this movie. That's that was a uh, remake. There was 2000 a 2000 remake, remake that they brought. Oh. Yeah, they brought Jack Carter to America, and for some reason, decided that Sylvester Stallone? Stallone's bell palsy <laughs> ass to do the uh to 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 be the gangster. No. Oh, I remember. Have you guys not seen now. this remake? Oh, it's awful. I, I have not seen it. I remember it though. Oh, it's I, so don't. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not worth so watching. <laughs> This movie's fantastic, oh. though. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, British gangster films are the best. Uh, I know we've already talked about Peaky Blinders on this sh- on on our on our show. Um, have we brought up any Guy Ritchie movies? I was going to say I Lock, Stock, and Two. Don't know how you haven't. I was Great. going to suggest Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels like two weeks ago, but it was coming off of Hulu like that uh, week oh, for, so. for 420. Yeah. So I was I was I was right there to to suggest it, but then it was leaving streaming, so I, I couldn't. That's one of my favorite films of all time. Fucking oh, love great. it. Snatch. His, I think we did I think you did pick Snatch one week. Did I? Oh, I don't know. So, I don't know. I, we, no, we've I, had so many episodes I don't even remember. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember Snatch being a pick. No, I don't I don't either, and I've listened to almost all your episodes. Nice. Yeah, and that's that's what I love. I would I would know if we talked about that, I think. I, I love that movie. But yeah, you're right. British gangsters, fantastic. Man, Michael Caine is just the suave womanizing motherfucker. That one scene where what's her name's just sitting there and she's like, Well, what are you gonna do for me? And he just gives her a look. He's like, Oh, well, I'm Michael Caine. I'm gonna fuck you down. And then she's just <laughs> like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> she was like so down with that. Like, just like, 
one look and all of a sudden she melted in his palm it was uh like the the 70s misogyny was running rampant throughout these films for sure (laughs) Um, and there's there's a common theme to at least all three of mine they were all really poorly received people hated this movie when it came out because of the violence and all of the sex and misogyny and everything like that so this movie also had a really rough uh rough release now I know that this was a British movie, even like originally, right? Like it was released in Britain first. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't have as much to do with the the downfall of the Hayes Code and everything, but I feel like that was still at that like we're at that point, right? Where all of a sudden movies are getting a lot more dark and a lot more gritty than they had been in the the fifties and the sixties and you know prior to that as well. Um, so I know it's not directly a result of, of getting rid of the Hayes code, but it's definitely in that zeitgeist, right? I, I would say so. I mean, especially if you watch British films starting from like the late 60s through really the mid 90s, people are were, were just not uh, really pleased with the situation over there yeah. um, for, for a good reason. Yeah. You know, poverty was running rampant. And so... I I think it's just a, a I think it's the same thing that's happening over over here in that same time frame, but for different reasons, right? Uh, and, and probably you know similar. Uh, they're all they're trying to push the envelope in a similar way, um, but it reminds me of quite a few American movies that were happening kind of at the same time. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Point Blank with Lee Marvin. Uh huh. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Point Blank in, in its style. I can see that for sure. Uh, and so I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think they were influenced uh, and, and by a lot of what was happening here and by all of the their own troubles. Oh, troubles. Good good name drop for, for Great Britain, huh? They did nothing wrong, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So check out Get Carter. That one is also on HBO Max, I believe. Yes. Um, let's move on. I believe that brings us to David. David, I think I'm the only one left. Um, Okay, well, my uh, the last recommendation for this week, my recommendation is going to be The Warriors on HBO Max. Um, This one was made in 1979, so cutting that uh, that limit really close. But uh, this is honestly one of my favorite movies just ever. I, I really, really like this movie. It's a little corny. Um, but it's, it's definitely not as corny as some of my other favorite movies. (laughs) Um, synopsis, a turf battle between New York city street gangs that rages from Coney Island to the Bronx. The warriors are mistakenly fingered for the killing of a gang leader. Soon they have every gang in the city out to get revenge and they must make their way across the city to their own turf. Um, I mean, this, this movie is, it's, it it stands out. These gangs are all uh, they've got their their uh, their gimmicks. They're all sort of themed gangs. Um, and this group of dudes that went up to a big gang con <laughs> needs to <laughs> <laughs> needs to needs to fight their way home. It's 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 great. They uh, they did a pretty good job with choreographing the fights. Um, they're they're slow, but they're a little more realistic in 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 their movements uh, than quite a few other movies that I've seen. 
Um, they get pretty brutal with it too. For I mean, oh, like yeah. we, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the one that Spencer was talking about coming into the late 70s. Now, where you really see some of that shine through, and yeah, they they kind of let loose with the the gruesomeness of of how people were acting at this time. Yeah, there's no blood in it, but I mean, dude gets tossed in front of a subway train. Um, there is a, a one gun death. There's a beating death. That, there's there's a few deaths in this yeah. movie, and it's you know it took the the like it's kind of in between eras, right? Because you know we talked about you know like you were you were right that is this is the the pick I was talking about you know really having that cynical kind of late seventies attitude, but so it took the, the grit, the grime, the, the general unsafe feeling of a place like New York city in the seventies. Um, and also somehow made it over the top, these colorful characters, you know, this, this almost unbelievable scenario, right. With all gritty, uh, you know, the, the eighties era of consumption and, and it kind of, kind of merges the cinematically. Like where you could definitely see where that flair is going, that vibe for sure. Man, the can you dig it speech every time. That's I love that speech. Like such such a good speech. This is so Walter Hill is easily one of my favorite directors, particularly from um, really. It is. Watch it, and if you have seen it, go watch. Sucker it. for it's, like I'm a sucker for New York movies. I'm a sucker for gang movies. <laughs> I mean, right? Like it's a great movie. It really it is. is. Are you? Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll just I'll say something after I clap, and then we'll go from there. All right. So our recording software just dropped out on us, so I don't know where exactly it cut off. Uh, we've been having a great discussion about the Warriors currently streaming on HBO Max. Um, nailed it. Nailed it. It was a great movie. Check it out. I don't know how much got through. I'll, I'll find out when I go to edit the episode. But depending on how much got through, it's it's all about gangs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the Warriors. And how and shitty New York was. You cannot forget how shitty yeah. New York was. New York, New York bad. Gangs cool. JP yeah. kind of liked it. Yeah. JP is a bit of a fan. <laughs> I almost knocked this desk over with the giant, giant boner I got when we started talking about it. <laughs> Just like everything raised up. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully the whole conversation came through. If it didn't, well, it sucks for you guys. Uh, but check it out. The Warriors is great. It's on HBO. Um, also, that's it. Those are all of our picks this week. <laughs> I have to tack all this on at the end. All right. Those, that's it. That was 1970s week, guys. Uh, as is tradition, sometimes we have things not to watch. Sometimes we have bonus recommendations. Other days, we just leave you hanging. Well, this week, we have a bonus recommendation. Oh, because uh, just last week, Mortal Kombat dropped on HBO Max. Oh, goddamn. I don't know if anybody's had a chance to watch this yet, but I did. And man, it was stupid good. Man, I was reading some tweets about it, and they were like, this was not even watchable. And it's like, fuck you. Like, right? maybe the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, we're like, I don't know if they're going to get this. And then, boom, yeah. it kicks you right in the nards, and you're having a blast. There's fatalities. They're saying the lines it, from the video. Like, it was good. Uh, 
It's very self-aware. Doesn't take itself too seriously. It's perfect what you said. The first 15 minutes were a little rough. It's uh, It kind of throws you right into it. It's a little bit jarring. But get past it. Move forward. Check out some amazing action. It's Mortal Kombat. It's on HBO. You got to watch it. Man, the, the guy that played Sub-Zero has come out in an interview and said that he's signed on for four more movies. I am yeah. so ready for this franchise. I am pumped. Yes. Uh, me too. I'm super about it. Um, I loved it. I don't know what else to say. Check it out. It's funny. It's action-packed. It's gruesome. Perfect. It's, it's what I wanted in a Mortal Kombat movie. I'm I don't know why you. people are complaining. Like, were they yeah. expecting Nomadland? Like, right. Yeah, I don't know. What What do you want out of this? You it want was... a best picture next year? Come on. Yeah. I mean, especially compared to like the old Mortal Kombat movies, this was like actually this this was choreographed and it was good. It wasn't all white people. Yeah. We didn't, have a, we didn't have a white guy playing also that it's a film based on a video game that right. at least first time around really had no plot. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Get down off your high horse and enjoy some action. Watch Mortal Kombat. It's HBO. right. They can't all be Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The gems of that of that movie franchise. Whatever. I like those movies. <laughs> I own every single one of them on Blu-ray. Uh, Right on. You movies you haven't even watched yet on Blu-ray. Like that's not like a. I don't control when they go on sale, Keith. <laughs> it's not my fault that every single boutique label had a sale in March and April. You have a hundred movies. That's also true. My uh, my addiction personality. Yes, yeah, Spencer. Better Collect than heroin. Stuff. I will not shut up, JP. Your collection's <laughs> like five times as big as mine. <laughs> yeah, you're you're you can't talk either. <laughs> I've watched all the movies in my collection except the ones point. I literally just bought. That's fair. Um, right on. <laughs> That's it. That's the show. We're wrapping it up. Uh, thank you all. Come check us out on all the places like Twitter and Facebook and our Discord. Come to our Discord. We very much want you to come and give us suggestions for theme weeks because I'm running out of ideas. Uh, so do that. Also, check out our website, threeguysoneup.com. On our website, you can find a link to our Patreon. Where you can click that link. You, you hit the button that says become a patron. You give us $5 a month and we can keep producing these amazing shows. You should not yes. have mentioned that people can go to your discord and leave uh, suggestions for theme weeks. Cause you're about to get spammed with theme Sick. week suggestions. God, I hope they spam. I, that's what I it want be for me. That's fine. You spam, <laughs> you spam it for me. All the, all the what 400 theme weeks coming. That's good. Thank All God. Right, then yeah. I won't have to come David up with a theme week for 400 weeks. We should do a softcore porn week. Nice. I'm into that. That's remember when re- the syndrome sale comes in? Yeah. You remember when Ghost in the Teeny Bikini was streaming on Netflix? I do not. Did you? I don't know what that is. I watched it with Dragon and oh, fuck, who else was there? Oh, it was terrible. It Did was you guys really, have really to have pillows bad. in your laps? <laughs> <laughs> this was a group of grown adult men watching softcore porn together. Now that's a new one. It's softcore. Like usually porn. that's reserved for like 10, 12 year olds. That's Soft, a come on. different with viewing a, with experience. A volume all the way down at 1 a.m. and sitting on top of TV in their parents' living room. It was a and comedic a, experience. A grainy Cinemax because he didn't pay for it. <laughs> oh man, that's the show. We're wrapped up. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. No thing happening. Thanks, Thanks Jonathan, for being here. Week Appreciate you week. being here. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>